you're a deranged douchebag, and you dishonor the Marine Corps. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 401 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, coming at you live on tape. Joined by my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page. I just want to say... It's a lot of energy. I, I want to say... I'm bringing it. Yeah. I'm I, bringing it. Yes. I. It is being wrong. Okay. <laughs> um... You have a lot more energy than I do right now. I am hopped up on the uh, on the caffeine. Yeah, so you're a little nutty right now. I'm also and... expecting to crash at any moment. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you're going to be carrying me probably in about 20 minutes. Uh, if I last that long. Okay, well, let's see how it goes. <laughs> let's see how it goes. I'm excited. You never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. We're so prepared today. I mean, I'm just kind of riding high. <laughs> After our, our 400th episode, uh-huh. we don't have shit planned for an intro. We didn't even talk about that before the mics went hot. And I'm just discovering it now mm. because of the frantic production. Yeah. Pre-production mm-hmm. elements that we do on the show. Well, there's also a lot of just working in general that's been going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, like at the studio until like 10... We were here until 10.30 last night. Yeah. Um, and early in the morning getting here and then, yeah. yeah. So, well, look, it's not my fault that Tommy Laren decides to do something ridiculous and it has to be responded to. Mm-hmm. And by has to be responded to, I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, but why are you like giving her attention? You know what I mean? Like, I think Alex listens to the show, so... We had a whole conversation. It's not just one person that says that. Why yeah, are you mentioning today, a name? Today specifically. No, there's several people that have said that. It is. Well, the reason I'm sensitive to it is because it does happen all the time. Yeah, it happens all the, all time. the time. And it's ridiculous because she works on Fox News. Yeah. She's a Fox News commentator. She doesn't just do uh, final thoughts on Sean Hannity's show. She goes on Fox and Friends. She's on Outnumbered. She's on several of the programming yeah, yeah. Uh, the programs that they offer over at Fox News, which means that she's being seen by millions and millions of people every single day. And they're also they're also likely grooming her to like take over for Judge Janine when when she dies, which who, that might be next week. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. If I think she's an animated corpse at this point. Anyway, I was I was watching. Her, one of her videos where she was appearing on Fox and Friends, but I wasn't listening to it because that's like another, oops, <laughs> that's another... Uh, Episode 401 where Britney still bumps the mic stand. That's another level that I don't want to reach. But watching? Listening. Oh, listening. Yeah. So I was oh, just, you were watching a silent video. Correct. And Watching her wave her hand around yeah, like a freak. You're going to need to take it down a little bit because you're... It's too much for me. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> Jesus. There we go. Um, just be quiet. So it was, she was, she was running her mouth and she was on the screen and you could see Ainsley Earhart, uh, the Ducey character, and then someone else was filling in for Brian Kilmeade. And I don't know if it was just me projecting how I was feeling onto them, but I felt like they were completely disinterested in her and she was kind of. She's always in that mode of like telling someone off and being Crazy really aggressive. Outrage. Yeah, and it's like the morning and no one really cares about that, you know, just like yeah. have a conversation yeah. and offer your opinion and, you know, take it down. <laughs> I'm apparently I'm very calm and collected oh, right now. Yeah, I want everyone to take it down a couple notches. <laughs> you're so I mean, you are the definition of oh, calm and collected. <laughs> yes. I think what it is with her on the Fox News or especially the Fox and Friends is that there's only one room on that show for crazy, hateful lady. What about country? the majority? Okay, the I'm major- so tired of protecting the minority. And that would be Ainsley Earhart, mm-hmm. who, by the way, just wrote a book 
and is shilling her book on 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 Fox Network. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, I think it's her second book. So blast! I'm so blasting all this bullshit inspirational talk when she says shit like that on the air. Mm-hmm. Do you like how I felt it was necessary to say it was her second book? Like, why am I saying that? Like anyone's interested and wants to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know the name of it. I just know it's. Yeah, whatever. It's um, about being family. blessed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How blessed she is. Yeah. Well, being in the majority. Mm-hmm. Taking care of the majority. Yeah. Fucking over the minority. Mm-hmm. Well, congrats. Congrats to you, Cong- Ainsley. Congrats on that. Mm-hmm. Well, that so happy out. that you're blessed. That's a nice. Uh, that was a nice little intro. Why do you have to talk about it? I don't understand why it can't just be like a thing. Well, we got some voicemails. <laughs> and I think we got an email or two as well. Let's Ooh. let's get to those. <laughs> On the last show, we had Ranger Bob here in California call in, and he talked about policing. And is that good enough? <laughs> just move right on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you have to talk about me talking about it. Oh. Anyway, um, about police and how we are raising up a generation of uh, squeaky clean, no life lived. Oh. <laughs> 401 episodes and Jesse hit the mic stand, everybody. No one hear that. No one's oh, going to hear well, that. Well, no one's going to hear me do it either. Oh, really? When you go like this? <laughs> no one's going to hear that? I didn't do it that aggressively. Oh, we'll see. You're gonna anyway, cu- you're gonna take that audio of you just doing that, and you're gonna paste it where I did it just to make me look bad. I know what you're up why to. Why don't you dial it back, coffee lady? <laughs> why don't you dial it back a little bit? All right, so I have an email to read. All right, is it about policing? Yes, because that's where we're going that first. Is, I understand. I understand what's happening. Goddamn. <laughs> Hey, Jesse and Brittany. So I'm listening to episode 400 and your conversation about cops. Just a quick question. Is it true that in the military you don't shoot unless shot at? If this is the case, why are cops not trained like this? I mean, our soldiers are at war against crazy fucks and won't shoot them just walking up to them or running away. Shit. I'm sure some walk up to them with a gun and are not shot. Yes, terrorist, not shot. But if you're a black kid, dad, mother walking down a street and happen to run away from a cop, you're shot 10 plus times. This shoot and kill first ask questions on my paid vacation later. How can we trust police when they are trained not to trust us? Thanks for everything. John from Northwest Indiana. John, um, well, let me answer the specific question about uh, combat. Uh, it depends. It's a shitty answer because it's not a yes or a no or you're right or you're wrong. In some cases, you're right. It depends on the rules of engagement for that particular theater. So um, oftentimes, it is uh, guns ablaze. You see the enemy, you engage them. It doesn't matter, unless they're retreating, because then it's covered under Geneva Convention. But there are oftentimes, where you're correct, where someone will come up with firearms, and unless they actually engage you, you're not allowed to fire on them. And I believe that we need a far more stringent, in fact, I think in California right now, they are trying to pass something like this, where there's a more stringent um, policy related to how and when cops can engage. And then when they do engage, and it's not necessarily engage with a firearm, but engage with force, that how they do that. Is it reasonable force or is it the minimum force necessary to get the situation under control? And a lot of municipalities are starting to take looks at that. But as it is now, it seems to be carte blanche. It seems to be whatever the fuck the particular cop is feeling in the moment, how scared he is of the black skin that can the that the 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 the, the, the victim slash perpetrator, quote unquote. They can't do anything about their their their, their skin, their race, mm-hmm. and that seems to be a uh, a source of uh, unmitigated fear mm-hmm. in too many cops today. Yeah, I think a lot of the problem also occurs with the management, so like the sheriff and yeah. um, things like that. the The people that are giving the police officers direction mm-hmm. and what kind of attitudes do they allow 
what kind of behavior do they allow? Are they encouraging that behavior with their certain statements that they make? Um, I think it, it can start from the top. If it is made clear from the beginning that certain things are unacceptable and that your job will be at risk if you engage in certain behavior. Not only your job, you're right, but it, I think it needs to be put across that you're going to be fucking prosecuted. Yeah. If you act criminally, it's not just you're fired and move on to the next police department. You're going to jail. Right. Making it clear, listen, these things are unacceptable. Yeah. And there will be punishment. Not, yeah, you can do whatever you want here. You're the police. You go out and you clean up these streets, you know. Yeah. I didn't mean to have a little cute rhyme there, but <laughs> I'm just filled with them. It you're, just happens naturally. You are. You're you're uh you're an you're an accidental rapper. Yeah. Oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Often. Often. Yeah. So thank you for the email. John. We appreciate it very much, John. Uh, along the same vein, Marissa McCool mm-hmm. from Inciting Incident Podcast, a frequent contributor on the show, has called in about this same topic. Hey, guys. It's Marissa McCool again. And I kind of have a follow-up to my uh, Sam Harris call. And I've, I'm seeing a lot of parallels, both with the criticizing of cops and criticizing of atheist movement leaders. And of course, these have more parallels to all communities because these are the conversations we're having to have right now. But the one about cops is particularly interesting to me because I think there are areas where we're still trying to fight out of some of the more damaging rhetoric of post 9-11 fear. One of those is automatic reverence for the heroes, you know, military, police, firefighters. Just remember back at that time how you know, it was all about the military, all about the police. Every single one of them were heroes. When 9-11 happened, not only were the people who there died, helped, and enlisted all labeled as heroes, but everyone in those industries were automatically labeled as heroes, which also made them beyond reproach. You can see it when any cop gets criticized for shooting an unarmed black man or a veteran does something, you know, so long as they're not something really bad like transgender or something, but it has a startling parallel to movement leaders who get called out on things like sexual harassment. If someone starts from a default position of hero or idol simply by having a certain job, any criticism of these people becomes an attack on heroes. Therefore, anybody who dares get angry at someone getting harassed or shot is criticizing a hero. And that's what happens when you deify someone. They are dehumanized and put into legend. And when that happens, any criticism of them becomes an attack that must be defended without regard to anything else. It doesn't matter if their supporters are white supremacists. It doesn't matter if the black guy was in the backyard. You know, it just must be defended because they are heroes. When you are a hero and you start from that position, No change can be made when one side can do whatever they want without consequence or worse, without fear of consequence. If someone can do no wrong in the eyes of many, it doesn't matter if what they did was right or not because they are a hero. Therefore, they must be right and must be defended. (laughs) I like how there wasn't even a sign off. It was just like (laughs) mic drop. (laughs) Um, yeah, pretty, pretty much. Well, to give a little context here, because I, I don't think everybody's as, as, as wound in and plugged in and tuned in to the, the atheist community drama that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. I wish I was not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just, because of my past and being, you know, very in identifying very strongly as an atheist before, like, oh, that was my, that's who I was. I just I've made attachments and friendships and now I know about all this shit. But there's all these cases that are coming out of prominent people within quote unquote well, it's kind of weird to say but within atheism, people who are famous or notable atheists, well known atheists, who are getting caught up in the Me Too movement because they're they're shitty people who have done shitty things. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a divide that's happening where some people who are atheists and are in the movement, whatever, are are very resistant to anybody calling them out on it. Yeah. And uh, unlike like in Hollywood, when you know a Weinstein thing happens or a Louis C.K. thing happens, everybody says, yeah, you know what? Fuck you. You got you to gotta either got to take a time out or you're dead to us. Um, that's not happening in atheism. There's like this weird divide where I need more evidence. I need more. Just, <laughs> uh, it's, it's fucking weird. Yeah, so Lawrence Krauss... 
was one of these people. Um, David Silverman, the former president of American Atheist. Yeah. Um, he's another one. Even to a degree, you know, other less prominent figures, some stuff is happening, but but not to the degree of like rape. These other very serious allegations. Yeah, I think that Marissa is also touching on something else outside of the Me Too movement, though, which is um, like criticism of of any sort. So yeah. she kind of was talking about Sam Harris, mm-hmm. right? And well, the, we just got caught up in that for fucking several episodes, right? The reaction to even making a criticism, yeah, of Sam Harris. Uh, I'm also seeing this happen with Joy Reid. Um, yeah, that's Bob. Glad you brought that up. Because liberals are having a very strange reaction to what's going on with Joy Reid. So for those of you who don't know, we'll just go over it really quick. She, um, these these old blog posts of hers uh, that were written before she joined NBC News in 2011 um, were found where she was writing homophobic things. Really shitty stuff where she's comparing gays to um, predators, like saying that they have predatory behavior on kids right. and shit. So right. she's comparing them to child molesters. Yeah, and so she is saying that an unknown external party accessed and manipulated material from her now defunct blog, she's, the she's, Reed Report. Yeah, it's an Anthony Weiner defense. Oh, I got hacked. I got to hacked. To include offensive and hateful references that are fabricated and run counter to my personal beliefs and ide- ideology, end quote. And... Uh, this evening, actually, her attorney released a statement saying, quote, we have received confirmation that the FBI has opened an investigation into potential criminal activities surrounding several online accounts, including personal email and blog accounts belonging to Joy Ann Reed. Our own investigation and monitoring of the situation will continue in parallel, and we are cooperating with law enforcement as their investigation proceeds. So there's now an FBI investigation into this. But the interesting thing is people aren't waiting yeah. to see where this goes. Right? They aren't waiting to see okay well let's 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 see what happens here let's see how this plays out it's an automatic defense this doesn't sound like something that she's capable of doing um come on look i don't think she's guilty i don't know what does that mean i mean i don't know yet right but and and maybe my my harsh reaction is colored by all of the knee-jerk defense of her and i think it it it, it in part comes from in-group loyalty to liberals the fact that she's black and the fact that she's a woman and people don't want to believe that she would be capable of having shitty views about about uh, homosexuals. Yeah. So and I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm interested to follow and see what comes of these investigations and all that. But it is interesting that if she did write these, she can't just come out and say, yeah, I did. I used to believe this. And I have changed my mind. And here's the reasons why I've changed my mind. And I hope one of the reasons isn't, you know, a six-figure paycheck from MSNBC. Yeah. I mean, you would need to go through that. Uh, it's it's like <laughs> any other politician that changes their mind, right? right. But there, there is this culture that we have that doesn't allow people to change. And yeah, I, you know what? I'm guilty of that, too. Yeah, and I think that that's problematic. And I, I, I think that it's okay to be skeptical of people's motives, like you're saying, was it her paycheck, whatever, if she actually did write these things. It is okay to be skeptical of people's motives. Is it politically expedient? Is that why someone is saying that they're for legalization uh, John marijuana? John Boehner style, yeah. Right, so it is okay to be skeptical there, but at the same time, we should allow people with new evidence, um, acquiring new information, adjusting their positions, Yeah, and... Even if there was no like new evidence that she has discovered in the past, uh, what is it? When was this done? Ten years ago. Is that when the blogs were written? Yeah, like two thousand eight. I yeah. mean, so I, I mean, whatever it was, she was ignorant of something. Yeah. If she wrote them, and now she has. And it is if if if. Yeah, yeah. And I, I listen. I'm I'm catching myself being very um, pitchforky right now. About what? Even my reaction right away was like, ah, fuck, that's fucking bullshit. I'm, I'm already um, lighting my pitchfork, ready to go, you know, ah, let's get her. And I need to calm it down. Yeah, I don't think that's good either. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I, I'm what I'm saying. I'm I'm admitting to being part of the problem here. Right. Because my initial reaction was. Well, and it's hard. But and I think it's good that we're talking through it because it's probably going to help other people identify what their knee jerk reaction is. And whether that's rational or not. Because this, this it, is one of those topics that we haven't even really talked about off the air. 
Yeah. We haven't spent a ton of time like hashing through this and I'm working through it in real time right now. Right. But I will say I've seen comments where people, this is impossible. There's no way. And I just think that that's very strange. And like Marissa was saying, we can't hold people up like this. People are flawed and they have said dumb things and they have believed dumb things and they are not right all the time. And it is okay to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, you listen, if you hold up you're 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 setting yourself up to be disappointed if you're following fo- following someone along as though they are they they have some uh deity quality that they yeah. cannot they are flawless. Yeah, even us by the way. And people have gotten angry with us when we start to deviate away from what they believe. Mm-hmm. That's happened several times and it, it's just the nature It happens a lot. Yeah, yeah it's just the nature of being a political person and saying what your opinions are and people listening to that, uh, it's going to happen. But that's why we try to talk about moving the conversation forward and emphasizing that it's like, okay to talk about these disagreements um, or it should be okay. And that's what makes people come around. And that's okay too. When people come around, they shouldn't be punished forever if they once believed dumb things. I think it depends on the context and the circumstance Generally, That's though, true. That's true. generally, though, yes, I would agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for those calls. We appreciate it very much. Um, the other topic we've been kind of ro- mulling over here was a call from Daria in New Hampshire. And she was talking about how we uh, have conversations with with conservatives and the respect level and, and how much leeway we give them and respect or you know, anyway, whatever. And that struck a nerve as um, oftentimes our different calls do. Hi, it's Kelly from New England. I just listened to your call about how we debate conservatives and how we treat conservatives and whatnot, but it springs to mind so many articles lately, and since 2016 have been coming up about the white working class conservative and how they're overlooked and how we need to listen to them and they no one hears them. I mean, so many articles. The point I'm like, how can you say they're not listened to when I've read 500 articles in Washington Post and New York Times, I'm being hyperbolic, about uh, those very subjects. In fact, I remember one of them even described two men at a countertop in Bumblefuck, Pennsylvania, pushing back from a table saying, we got to work because the liberals don't, the liberals won't. And I want to say, fuck you. I'm a liberal. I work hard. I'm a veteran. I live in the Northeast. Like, what, why, why do you get to be salt of the earth and more American than me? Why is your experience more American than mine? Keep in mind, Hillary lost Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and uh, Michigan. And everyone's talking about these white working class voters. There are plenty of black working class voters and other people of color who didn't vote for her that could have voted for her. Um, but she wasn't really speaking much to them either. But they're not nearly as discussed. Why is that? Hmm, I wonder. Okay, um... I'm driving, so I shot be on my phone. So, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So, I think Kelly is taking care of biz. Yeah, no, no shit. Mm-hmm. Even though she's driving on her phone. Was she phone up to her ear or like through the, the Bluetooth? Either way, that's not okay. Talking on the phone Bluetooth is fine. What are you talking about? Oh, wait, I wasn't listening to you. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly fine. Um. So listen, um, I well, I agree 100% with this because this is a we. I don't know. Here, well, here's 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 the deal. Sometimes oh. I feel like I'm out of touch because I read a lot of YouTube comments. And, oh, and a lot of YouTube people are. It's that mantra mm-hmm. that oh yeah, liberals just want shit for free. I guess that was a mantra during the election too. That's always that been Bernie the case. Bernie just wanted to, even Hillary brought that, you know, they, we, we can't do it, we can't afford it, they just want to give it away, everything away for free, we can't, we yeah, can't. Yeah, that's always been a talking point. And so I guess my, what I was going to say is I don't know how much of that is real America talking and how much is just dickhole trolls online. But that that is a, certainly a criticism I see a lot and it's fucking weird that liberals aren't hardworking people. That we've got to pay for everything. And I'm glad I'm here to pay your bills for you. And come on, get get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but how many people do you know, like in your personal life, that hold those kinds of opinions that have at some point in their lives been on public assistance? 
uh, a lot of them. Yeah. So I, I even think, family. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it comes down to that. And what I mean is that they're in denial. Um, <laughs> that that they just they think about things in black white terms. And I think the liberal perspective takes into consideration a little bit more of the gray area of mm-hmm. life and that things which allows for nuance and also a lot of empathy too yeah, yeah that things are difficult for people that life is hard and it isn't about giving things away for free and uh, people don't want to work it's that sometimes life shits on people yeah in a very terrible way and if they don't get help they're gonna be in that position forever also so, some people are more resilient to the weight of that shit mm-hmm. than others. Mm-hmm. Some people deal with it a little bit better. They roll with the punches. Some people are 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 blessed, for lack of a better term, with whiteness and ability to to get out of it. Some people can rely on family. Some people don't fucking have family or whiteness or any of the other privileges that come along with whatever to to deal with the weight of that shit from life. Yeah, I think people would be a lot better off just in their day-to-day lives recognizing the role that luck has played in their life. Yes. And I'm I'm actually reading a book right now. Um, it's by, I think her name is Kate Bowler. And the book is Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I Used to Love. Hmm. And she... Um, That's a great title. She... There's a lot of God stuff in there because she's from a Christian background and she wrote her first book on the prosperity gospel. But there is a quote in there that she references um, from Oprah, where Oprah says that none of her life experiences she attributes to luck and it's all hard work and something else like things happening at the right time, which kind of sounds like luck. And... Um, but I think, I think people need to give a little bit more credit for luck because really there's so many things about our lives that we have no control over. And there's people that work their asses off and still cannot have upward mobility. Yeah. So I think it needs to be recognized. Like you said, do you have family that you can rely on? Uh, were you given some sort of inheritance from Look, a family? There's all kinds of things that people have that they need to recognize that even if they don't think that they played that whatever that is, played a large part in where they are now, it did. These are all reasoning points that I've just come around to probably in the last three years as a result of you. Because you put this in a way that I think is very understandable, even for you about you. Because you've come from a position that a lot of people would consider unreasonably um, disadvantageous. Mm-hmm. Life had shit on you. A lot a weight of shit. Mm-hmm. And you have overcome it. But you don't attribute it to grit and hard work and just sheer resiliency mm-hmm. you all of those things do play some role but if you don't catch a fucking break right none of that shit matters right and sometimes the breaks start early right are you a likable kid do adults want to help you yeah right and and i attribute a lot of the difference in my life to that Uh, teachers from a young age that were drawn to me for whatever reason, because of my personality or whatever. And that, that is part of that luck. Yeah. I didn't have control over that. Um, So I think people just need to recognize that a little bit and stop saying, Oh, I built everything myself. I did everything on, on my own, blah, blah, blah. That is, that's basically never true. And I mean, if someone feels differently and wants to call in and tell me how they did everything themselves, I'd love to hear it. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure someone has done that. But again, it's very difficult and people need help. And we should recognize that. We should. So we have another email. Let's um, do it. Related to the conservatives on college campuses issue. Hello, dearest Brittany and the other guy. Oh, throwing some shade here, Emma. You asked. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> You asked about college campuses and being a college student at a liberal arts school on a widely liberal campus in a liberal state. I feel I'm qualified to offer analysis. 
My first semester of college was last year when the 2016 election took place, and I happened to be taking American politics. There were three clear conservatives in the class, and while I intellectually debated them with a clear liberal slant, the students were largely silent about these conservative students' comments in class. The professor called on them often, asked for their opinions, and even pushed them for facts behind their beliefs, even though oftentimes there were none. I saw these Trump supporters say, Trump is a clown, but he's my clown. If God damn. If she, There's rationale for you. If she, meaning Hillary, is sick, the public has a right to know. He, Trump, can't just detach himself from his business. He's one of the richest men in the country. And I don't believe my family should have to pay for your sister's health care. One of the three Trump supporters in that class was a football player who is widely liked. And another is a girl who lived down the hall from me last year and has many friends. Side note, this girl is a total bitch who graffitied my dorm door multiple times. One time writing Trump in permanent marker on my door, despite knowing I had a Latina roommate at the time. So to directly answer your question, no, I don't think they're being silenced, just outnumbered on college campuses because surprise, surprise, more education has the tendency to make you more liberal. But being outnumbered is not being silenced. I think a lot of liberal students on college campuses simply have the truth on their side, which is scary for someone who, like those three conservatives in my American politics class, have no facts to back up their crazy conclusions. Cheers, Emma. A little new, uh, a little new drop. I like it. Courtesy of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I love Dennis Reynolds and his crazy ranting. Yeah, I remember when I first took a government class in college. It was in California at a community college. And my professor was openly liberal. He like said flat out that he's a liberal and he was very open and aggressive about it. And one of the assignments included, I think this maybe was international relations. He made us watch Fareed Zakaria GPS mm-hmm. on the weekends yeah. and write a paper about it. So <laughs> um, who may, who, 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 who may or may not be a plagiarist. Fareed Zakaria. Yeah. Oh, he's been accused of plagiarism. Oh, well, wow, that was uh, kind of landed flat. That's a bummer for him. I mean, but why did he do that? Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so so I don't remember if there were conservatives in that class. I think that there were. It was a long time ago and my memory is starting to go, but starting to go. I I obviously share Emma's experience like I talked about last time. And I don't think that being outnumbered is being silenced either, like she said. Obviously, they know they're outnumbered and they might feel like they're going to be stereotyped or they're going to be labeled or people are not going to receive their opinions well. But that doesn't mean that they can't use their voice and can't can't own their opinions and just speak up in class anyway. First, I mean, listen, if you... I believe that having a, a man having sex with a man is the same as having sex with a dog. I why can't I just freely talk about that? I should everyone should just everyone's reaction should just be mm, mhm. Wow, that's a reasonable <laughs> opinion that shouldn't be shamed. Oh, yeah. we should just everyone should accept you. Oh, ho, ho. No. Yeah. You say, "Well, that's madness and against science." Oh, I think that uh the Earth was created in six days, and that uh, the the age of the Earth is only six thousand years old. Uh, well, that's ridiculous, and um, that is a a, a a ludicrous position, a, a ludicrous position to, to hold. Yeah, and you argue about that. Yes, and if that's your position, then say it. And why would you be afraid of being labeled? Is it because you like suspect that maybe you're wrong, <laughs> um, and you don't want to have someone argue with you? You know, I I really loved my favorite moments in college were having debates like this, yeah. either in class or when I would take it upon myself to go up to the preacher on campus that was harassing everyone. That was always fun. Um, that's what college is for. It's what life is for. Listen, if you can't defend your position because you're embarrassed or afraid of being labeled, then maybe you need to pick a new position because your position's fucking wrong. You know? Yeah. I'm trying. I mean, I'm, 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 go ahead. Well, I, I was, think you're getting ready to say what I was going to well, say. Well, I was trying to think of a situation because 
conservatives can also label liberals in various ways based on their positions too. So it isn't necessarily, I mean, if you're afraid of a label, I it doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong, right? But that just seems like a lesser concern than other people have. Yeah. Uh, about expressing who they are or what they believe. If your biggest fear is being labeled something, that seems like a, I mean, it's okay, you know. You're leading a pretty good life. Yeah, you're going to live. <laughs> you're safe, you know. Right. I, Let's move on. Listen, everybody, thank you for the calls and the emails. We appreciate it very much. If we didn't get to your call or we didn't get to your email, know that we read it. Know that we appreciate you guys reaching out. It is awesome. Uh, If you would like to communicate with the show, help us move the conversation forward. You can call 657-464-7609. Of course, leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail. We hope that they're shorter than that. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone. Same time limits apply. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Before we move on to Dollamocracy, I want to talk about this event in Toronto, Canada. This mowing down of pedestrians that was initially, people thought it might be terrorism, and it was, to a degree, it was terrorism, but not not in the uh, religious scheme that we think about it so often, but a different kind for what I hope is not a continuing, growing trend. That deadly van attack in Toronto. The driver appearing to intentionally strike victims on the sidewalks and the streets there. The crime scene nearly a mile and a half long. And tonight, what investigators are now learning about the driver's possible motive. ABC's chief national correspondent, Tom Yamas, in Toronto again tonight. The chilling new video. A van turned into a killing machine, barreling down the Toronto sidewalk, plowing into pedestrians. And tonight, as investigators scour the scene, a troubling portrait emerging of the man behind the wheel, 25-year-old Alec Manassian. The accused is alleged to have posted a cryptic message on Facebook minutes before he began driving the rented van. That message including these words, all hail supreme, gentleman Elliot Roger. Roger killed six people in a 2014 rampage near Santa Barbara. He recorded selfie videos lashing out at women. Can you at least say if the suspect was frustrated with his relationships with women? Uh, Again, because that's part of the evidence, that's going to be part of our investigation. But police say the injured victims were predominantly women ranging from their 20s to their 80s. Vassiola Biboli almost became one of them herself. You were walking on the street and your friend literally had to pull you out of the way of the van? I just remember just being pulled away into the direction and then he accelerated and hit the lady and all I can envision is that vivid image of the lady being on top of his hood and then being thrown to the ground and then he ran over her as he plowed to to the crowd. Manassian now charged with 10 counts of murder and 13 counts of attempted murder. Was your son what would you like Outside court, his father emotional. He didn't say much, but the look on his face said it all. You were crying in court, sir. Can you at least tell us what you're feeling right now, please? Watch your back. Watch your back. Sorry. And tonight, we're learning more about the traffic officer who stopped the rampage, Constable Kenny Lamb. During that standoff, Manassian saying he had a gun and making threatening gestures. But Constable Lamb, a 12-year veteran of the police force, managed to bring Manassian down and cuff him without firing a single shot. And Tom Yamas with us again tonight from Toronto. And Tom, you were in court today when the suspect was charged, and you're learning he did a short stint in the Canadian military? David, we've learned tonight Manassian served a short time in the military, only 16 days. He quit during recruitment training. We did see him in court today. He walked in and stood stone-faced wearing a white jail jumpsuit. The only emotion inside that courtroom came from his father, who I saw wipe away tears as his son was led away. David? Tom Yamas with us again tonight. Thank you, Tom. So first, let me say this. I've been seeing a lot of people posting online about the behavior of this, this cop. Now, he should be lauded. I think it's great that he didn't, that he figured, he was able to deduce throughout the entire circumstance that this kid was just trying to get him to kill him. But people are putting that on American cops like that's the way it should be. That should be standard operating procedure. And I think that's a little bit too much to expect from a cop. If you point a gun at me and I have a gun, you're you're going to die. Mm-hmm. 
and that should be the expectation <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, of law enforcement, in my opinion. I mean, look, it's great that he was able to figure it out and do that. It's awesome. But that 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 is an unreasonable expectation for someone um, in law enforcement, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to get that out there that as critical as I as critical as I am of of uh, law enforcement, of police, of police brutality, of the disproportionate levels with which they're murdering, killing, excuse me, shooting unarmed black men in this country. Um, if if a black guy has a gun, uh, not a cell phone, but a gun pointed, it's a, I think it's a different story. Yeah, so I want to talk about something different. I want to talk about the Elliot Roger part of this. And they didn't read the full post that he made. It's fucking weird. He wrote, I don't know if this is the full post, but here's more context for it. Quote, the incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. <laughs> I'll all hail Supreme Gentleman Elliot Roger. Now, you may remember Elliot Roger. Elliot Roger here. Elliot Roger here. I'm a supreme gentleman. The Santa Barbara. Why are they not coming to have sex with me? The Santa Barbara shooter. You can still watch his videos on YouTube if you haven't done that. You can also listen to an episode like 24 or something. It's about the 25 minute mark of episode 24. I went back and listened to it. Mm -hmm. Other than the uh, shitty NPR quality to our delivery. Oh, (laughs) we've grown over the course of uh, 375. You mean we learned how to use our normal voices? That that is right. Mm. (laughs) So what are incels, you may be wondering? Well, uh, this is how the New York Times characterizes them. Incels are misogynists who are deeply suspicious and disparaging of women, whom they blame for denying them their right to sexual intercourse. This is a relatively new take on, quote, male supremacist. Apparently, the term combines involuntary and celibate. Involuntary celibates. Celibate against their will. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're entitled to sexual intercourse with women, even though they are socially awkward fucking dickholes. Right. And so, listen, I I don't mean everybody who's socially awkward is a dickhole or a misogynist. These idiots feel like they are entitled to. To the attention, to the sexual attention of women. Just say sex. It's it's the fucking worst. Entitled, Fuck these people. Entitled to sex with women. Um, so how does Elliot, Elliot Roger relate to this? Well, he's a supreme gentleman. Right. That's what he called himself. And many of these incels refer to him as a saint, a hero, a brother, and praise his violent rampage from 2014. And in that episode... So they look at him... Like ISIS looks at um, Muhammad or, or or another religious figure. Yeah, and now actually this guy who did the Toronto vehicle thing is being praised in these communities as the new saint, um, like the new Elliot Roger. Yeah. And so what are Chad's and Stacy's, the reference that he made there? Well, um, Chad's are men who are successful with women. And Stacy's are women who reject incels. So it's it's enough of an of an insular uh, community that they have their own little language and code words. Mm-hmm. That's fucking weird. So basically, what he was referring to with the incel rebellion is like a beta male uprising. <laughs> This is what they say, a movement to uh, overthrow what they view as oppressive feminism in society. And by oppressive, they feel like they're oppressed because women aren't Having giving up sex the ass. With them. Yeah, they're not not enough sex or any sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder why a woman wouldn't want to give up sex to a dude who feels entitled to it. Yeah, I wonder. God damn. I wonder why. <laughs> um, Elliot Roger, I can't do it. Um, I can't talk about him. So, forty thousand members in this subreddit that that got shut down. Yeah, it got shut down. But there were forty thousand members. Well, some of them might just be looky loos. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's go look and see what the freaks are doing. I hope so. I yeah. hope that's what you know. All of them were, except for this one guy. And they who all called for. They were not all, but there was uh, the reason it got shut down is for the same reason that uh, you can't be a terrorist on Reddit. 
they will shut you down. Mm-hmm. It was because of terroristic threats and violence and and aggression like it that. It was hateful and violent speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they got shut shut the fuck down because of it. Mm-hmm. So, look, the Donald, those alt right scumbags who or over at the the Donald subreddit, they're still running rampant. It must have been crazy in this uh, Elliot Roger hero subreddit. Yeah, I think that it is terrifying yeah. to think about how many men are walking around angry that women are not having sex with them <laughs> and fantasizing about committing these acts of terror and admiring Elliot Roger, who is the worst, just the absolute worst, who Listen. would take his phone out and start recording himself because he saw a girl and a guy kissing and it made him feel so bad that he needed to re- record a 10 minute monologue about how he had been rejected and he's not the one who's kissing her and all of this. And I mean, it's sad for these people because what happened to prompt them to feel like they can't overcome their social anxiety or whatever they have that they start ruminating and having these like violent thoughts. It's fucking narcissistic bullshit is what it is. I mean, it's very problematic and I hope that this is not a growing trend. Um, Just be better. If you're a dude and women aren't into it, what you got going on, maybe tweak what the fuck you got going on. No, if you're not appealing to the opposite sex or to the sex or gender that you want to be appealing to, uh, change up your game. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking mow people down. Well, I mean, I'm speaking obvious things that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Jesus. I mean, yeah. And I understand there are people who are socially awkward and these these kinds of interactions are difficult for them. But, but they're this, not plotting terrorist attacks because of right, it. Right, but this is taking it to a whole yeah. another level where these people are going online to congregate and share their frustrations with like-minded, angry individuals who feel that women should just be having sex with them. Like, they're just owed that. They're yeah. owed sex. <laughs> it's so strange. I don't know. It makes me mad. Mm-hmm. Your eye is red. You're so mad. I'm rubbing the shit out of it. I don't know what's going on. It must be the coming down from the caffeine, Brittany. Mm, the crashing is happening now. <laughs> Uh-oh. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Hear that? Uh-huh. Well, of course you do. Yeah. I failed to mention we got a new bell. Mm-hmm. Chase, loyal, longtime, awesome listener, Chase in Virginia, sent us a new bell because I mentioned on a on a previous episode I was fumble fucking around. And drop the goddamn bell and it just, it, it, it stopped working. This one is superior to the previous it is, bell. Did you hear that resonance? I heard it. That is some good, you probably felt it in your chest. I felt it. it. It's also, it's not just the sound that is superior. It is also the size. It's, it's not a little bitch bell. It's yeah, a sturdy it's, bell. It's sturdy. It's double the size of the previous bell. Yeah. We, we very much appreciate it. It's beautiful. It's like the Liberty Bell. <laughs> It's it's not quite the Liberty <laughs> Bell, but so anyway, Chase. Mm-hmm. Goddamn, dude! Awesome. Thank you for sending a new bell. I'm sure the audience is like, "God damn it, Chase!" <laughs> <laughs> but we love you, brother. Thank you. We appreciate it. Listen, uh, if you would like to support the show, uh, we would love to have you join the Patreon family. We don't have a, a new Patreon supporter this week. Nobody uh, edited their pledge up, so. Um, just want to take a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we are moving closer and closer to that uh, that point where we're going to be doing three shows a week. If like if five hundred people gave a dollar a month, yeah, we'd be there. Yep, three shows a week, one hundred percent. It would be awesome. You can also give on uh, by buying on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. Make you- sure you plan those big purchases yeah. and then go to the dollamore.com slash Amazon yeah, before cri- you make it. Christmas is coming up. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, then you got to plan those big ones. Yeah, yeah. 
You got to plan the big ones. In advance. And you can buy swag. Dollamore.info. All of that works. You could also rate and review the show. We would love to start reading some new reviews. Profanity-free, please. Profanity-free reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they want us to say. That would be great. We love you guys. We appreciate you. As always, helping us move the conversation forward. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Donald Trump has announced that he wants the his personal physician, the guy who who said that jo- Donald Trump has amazing genetics. Yeah. That if he had the genes of Donald Trump, he'd probably live till he was 200 years old. Can we do some sausage right now? Yeah, go ahead. I I was planning this um, segment so much that Jesse started to think violent thoughts about me, Elliot Rogers style, <laughs> because I... Well, I am a spectacular gentleman. Supreme, what is it? Supreme, Supreme gentleman. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> plotting the way that it would go. and Which is I, unusual for you. Yeah. Well, all I could think about when I started hearing the reports of Ronnie Jackson, the White House physician, and his drug stashes okay how he's just handing out percocet well how about we play we'll play the package that i've got that talks about the new allegations okay and then you can talk about the sausage all right manu you've gotten a hold of a democratic document about dr jackson Uh, what can you tell us yeah this is a document compiled by staff to senator john tester who's the ranking democrat on the senate veterans affairs committee and this comes after that staff had interviewed 23 people who had either worked with dr ronnie jackson or who are currently working with ronnie jackson they lay out explosive details and allegations about his past past misconduct and again these are allegations that have not been fully substantiated and that this committee is investigating but enough to delay a confirmation hearing that had been scheduled for today as this committee investigates now these allegations fall into three different categories uh, one involves his how he's prescribed drugs in the past uh, in, a, in a loose manner, according uh, to this document. Another one dealing with his how he administered an office that and had uh, a, a abusive uh, practice behavior towards his colleagues, particularly people who worked underneath him, allegedly. And, and number three, about drunkenness, drunk being drinking on the job, and particularly on trips overseas. And in one uh, particularly damaging allegation, it says that a Secret Service going away party, Jackson got drunk and wrecked a government vehicle. It also says on at least one occasion, uh, Jackson could not be reached when he was needed because he was passed out drunk. And at one time, it talks about him reaching for holding a medical bag, and he was intoxicated at the time while he was holding uh, this medical bag. But uh, other allegations as well, causing some alarm on Capitol Hill, particularly when it comes to prescribing medication, saying that he had given gave large supply of Percocet, the pain medication, to a White House military officer, and he had private stocks of controlled uh, substances. Also, he would not track how he handed out the sleeping medication, Ambien, as well as Provigil, uh, which is a drug to use to wake people up uh, that would those controlled substances required tracking which allegedly he did not do and uh, people would come to him to get these medications because other physicians would not according to these allegations now wolf uh, this is compiled again by the democrats but the republicans themselves view these as very serious they want to investigate this further including the chairman of the senate veterans affairs committee johnny isaacson who told me earlier today that they want to get to the bottom of all of these allegations and that's one reason why they did Late today's confirmation hearing, and another Republican on that committee, Mike Rounds, uh, this, uh, who sits on that committee, Wolf, told me these are coming from credible individuals who are bringing forward these allegations, even as the White House said that he has been fully vetted, he has passed background checks in the past, and that Jackson himself has denied it, uh, crashing a car, something he said just moments ago. Uh, there's still enough concern on Capitol Hill that there's his nomination in serious doubt of ultimately getting this job unbelievable in one account first of all there's like 20 people have come forward we're gonna get to your sausage Brittany. but like 20 people have come forward and they say that like on the plane when they're going on long overseas trips he would walk down the aisles Mm -hmm. and be like who wants some drugs everybody (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so I thought that this would be the perfect song um, for us while we're talking about Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Yeah. I think about everything through the lens of music. Um, and <laughs> Here, let me give us a little music bed. So when something happens, I, I I typically think of a song. A lot of my memories are attached to songs. Yeah, yeah. Like some people think of a smell or a, a food that they ate. Yeah, but I'm... Always music with you. I'm obsessed with music. And so when I, when I heard about Ronnie Jackson just, you know, having Percocet available and... Who wants an Ambien? I immediately thought of Motley Crue. Um, Ronnie Jackson is a fascinating character because he doesn't seem like this type of guy. But then I guess you reflect on it a little bit and you're like, oh, I guess it kind of makes sense. Um, Like you said, 23 people have come forward. Yeah, was it 23? 23. And this is just some of the quotes that they have from this document. Jackson was described as, quote, the most unethical person I have ever worked with. Wow. Flat out unethical, explosive, 100% bad temper, toxic, abusive, volatile, and capable of not losing his temper. The worst officer I have ever served with. Despicable. Dishonest. Having screaming tantrums and screaming fits. Someone said he would lose his mind over small things. Vindictive, belittling, the worst leader I've ever worked for. The one I liked, if you're reading the same thing I read, was that he uh, he kissed up and kicked down. Huh. Just a fucking terrible, terrible boss. Yeah. And apparently had buckets full of, of, of drugs to just pass out to everybody. Oh, you want to go to sleep? Here you go. Oh, you need to wake up. Here's another kind of drug. Wacky good times, everybody. Yeah, it's it's very concerning, and I love watching the White House press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders squirm as they ask her about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just one after the other. Why can't they get it together over there? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Look, Donald Trump ran on the promise that he was going to. Uh, Pick the best people. Mm-hmm. And time after time after time, he has failed us on that account, on that promise, whether it be people who are squandering money, millions of dollars in travel, who are acting unethically while in their office, in their cabinet position. And then he, he picks a guy who's woefully underqualified that we find out is not just underqualified, that he's uh, very possibly shitty at his job. Yeah. So I also think that it's important to note that he has not said that he's going to withdraw his nomination and he's moving forward with it. And I I saw some tweets going out that ended abruptly. (laughs) Um, Some tweets going out that said he was like secretly meeting with people and then the press caught him and was asking him questions yeah so they're trying to talk to him i saw a statement from lindsey graham that said he wants to talk to him ask him for his side of the story uh they're not assuming that these allegations are true they want to make sure that he has an opportunity to speak to them so i did see um i think it was a cnn reporter interviewing him um while he was walking to someone's office he seemed way out of his element yeah he did and they asked him about the allegations he said he was looking forward to asking or answering everyone's questions blah 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 (laughs) and they said so are you are you denying the allegations then are you denying them and he said uh uh so uh i'm just looking forward to answering any questions that anyone might have they are gonna (laughs) eat his fucking lunch in a senate confirmation hearing yeah it's not gonna be pretty well if you were denying the allegations because they were false, you would have just said, yeah, I'm right. denying them. You don't say this, which is another line I've heard from him. I don't know where they're getting that. <laughs> you say, well, that no, that never happened. You don't say, what? I don't know where that would come from. Yeah. Glug, glug, glug. Well, so 23 people are coming from his past and just they're in cahoots. Right. They want to ruin his life for no reason. Tippy top shape. I mean, we're talking about 23 people. Yeah. 
that he used to work with. Who are alarmed at the prospect of him running a $180 billion division of our government, second only to the Pentagon. Yeah, the other thing I loved about this was Donald Trump being asked uh, about it. And he went into this this long jag about how the government officials are going to abuse him. It was disgusting. Yeah, disgusting. And hey, dude, regular congressional oversight. That, that's how this works. That's exactly right. Everyone is subject to that. You're not special. It's not just your administration that's going through You're this. You're not passing an edict from on high like a fucking king, Donald Trump. And yeah, you can't really have these types of life experiences. You can't be the kind of person that has made a lot of mistakes to get into these positions of power. Because you need to be trustworthy. Yeah, you have to have a clean track record. And that's... That's just the nature of the positions. I, yeah. you know, sorry that you are choosing people that are very flawed, but well, it's not just this Ronnie Jackson character. Uh, before you move on, I want to say that it is interesting that all of President Obama's evaluations of him yeah, are I, positive. I was going to talk about that. Let me can, let me explain. Can I explain what I think it is? Yes. It, it's well. It, think about this. If you work in the White House, uh, who do you tattle to? Are you gonna? Oh my God. You know what I heard? Listen, Barry. <laughs> Ronnie Jackson's drinking on the job, sir. No, it's the fucking president. You leave him the fuck alone because he's got other things to worry about. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a there's a, an atmosphere that gets created where it would be easy for that shit to slip through the cracks uh, just based on omission. That pe- Who are they going to run to? You know, because it looks like you're trying to... Look, the White House, any job on Capitol Hill is a rat race for promotion... Maybe maybe more than any other kind of job because people are cutthroat and ambitious and they want to be make a name for themselves or whatever. And uh, you don't want to look like you're whiny and there's a way to be cutthroat without um, looking like you're you're a tattletale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just I, I see a reality where or, or a situation where it would be easy for that shit not to come out and the president to write those recommendations like for his promotion that he did. So you're saying the information didn't make it to the top. Yeah, I think so. That people probably knew about it that were around him, but that no one actually went and said, hey, he's passing out Percocet like Smarties. Where, what are you, what's your opinion on this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you not promote him this year? <laughs> Smarties. <laughs> well, anyway, he's not the only high-level White House official who is acting like a dick. Mick Mulvaney, the White House budget director, is also, I'm seriously, giving a speech to bankers (laughs) and saying that, well, you know, when lobbyists used to, I don't know why I'm doing that voice, but when lobbyists used to come when I was a congressman, I wouldn't talk to them unless they donated to my campaign. How fucking transparent and bizarre and brazen is that to say that in public to a group, to bankers, nonetheless. This morning, Mick Mulvaney, the acting director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, is under fire for a talk he gave to banking executives. Mulvaney revealed that as a congressman, he would only meet with lobbyists if they contributed to his campaign. Now, he did also say that he would meet with constituents regardless of whether they contributed. And if you were a lobbyist, you had to pay to get in. Here to discuss, CNN legal analyst Shan Wu is also, we should note, former attorney uh, for Rick Gates, who's involved in the Russia probe right now. Shan, I want to ask you about this specific <laughs> statement we have from Mick Mulvaney. He says, according to the New York Times, we had a hierarchy in my office in Congress. If you're a lobbyist who never gave us money, I didn't talk to you. If you're a lobbyist who gave us money, I might talk to you. Now, again, he did also say he'd speak to constituents no matter what. But this notion that if you're a lobbyist who pays, that money might get you a meeting with me. Is, is there any legal liability there? Is that not pay for play? Well, he's going right up to the line. That's uh, what I would call reckless candor. And he's really <laughs> opening up some potential cans of worms. He is possibly skirting some ethics issues within the House, as well as, of course, as you say, a pay-to-play situation where it looks like there's a quid Now, of course, those cases are very hard to prove. Uh, Take a look at the Virginia uh, case with the governor there, Bob McDonnell. And so whether he's actually opened himself up to some sort of an admission of criminal liability, unlikely. But he's certainly being reckless in making statements like that. 
Yeah, I mean, the convictions are very hard in this right. case, and he's not saying that he won't meet with people if they don't give money. But I don't know that I've ever heard someone so clearly say before that if you give money, it might get you in the door. Yes, that is a remarkably startling uh, admission to make, although people <laughs> often suspect that's the case. And, of course, it's part of his message that the administration right. is sending. They want this control back in Congress. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. Unbelievable. And only in the Trump administration would this be acceptable. That guy would be fucking drummed out of the Obama administration, Bush 43, the Clinton administration. I mean, it is unacceptable behavior to just admit freely. It's unacceptable behavior to do it, but certainly to air that in public. And if you gave me money, huh, yeah, that's the ticket in. <laughs> Especially for a lobbyist, someone who's there to sway your opinion. Mm -hmm. You're not paid to represent them. You're paid to represent the constituents. And if that's the kind of behavior that he's he's openly saying that admitting that he did, what in the fuck is he keeping secret? That's my question. We're going to leave you with my question. Oh, well, it's my question, too. Yeah. All right. We're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you for joining us for episode 401. The crash is just beginning to start. We'll try to have more energy next time. Next time, more energy. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Listen, if you want to sound off, 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Who hasn't reviewed the show? We know there are thousands of you who have not. So get on it. I expect to read some sweet, sweet-ass reviews from all of you Spectacular gentlemen. What is it? Supreme. Supreme gentlemen and ladies. <laughs> we love you guys. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. <laughs> I like how there wasn't even a sign-off. It was just like <laughs> mic drop. <laughs>